When I was in my early 20s, towards the beginning of my career, there's a moment that happened that I think helped to shape who I am today. I had, for the first time, been invited to come into a client meeting to present the majority part of a, a media campaign to some very high-level clients and my own bosses and in a room I hadn't ever been in before and I hadn't spoken, certainly, in before. And so I was really excited, really proud, very nervous that I knew I needed to perform and but just to have a seat at the table was a big thing for me. So we all get in and we're setting up and we're sitting around and the lead client, the CMO, as we all began to to go said, oh well, no wait, we, we can't get started until Pam comes over and sits on my lap. And the room was understandably quiet as I sort of froze under not sure how to react. And everybody kind of went, oh whatever and then moved on and we began to go and he said no no I'm not kidding we can't start until Pam comes and sits on my lap and I in my head I thought I, I'm not gonna have to go over there you know we've moved on and, and we started and the impact was less what he said certainly we've all heard worse but I felt so diminished by his words I was already concerned about having a seat at the table and being part of the team the senior team and he made it clear that the way he saw me was as somebody who could come perch on his lap while I said my words. And I didn't have my best performance that day, certainly threw me off. And for a little while, I was really nervous about going back in there because now I felt that I had been distinguished as different and that called out as something else. And what I ended up coming to how I ended up dealing with this was in two ways. First was to examine my own persona. And many times people do this and then they completely change themselves to fit a mold that they think fits the room. And that's not me. But what I was able to do was to make sure that my confidence and my persona were always in place so that, that I looked like I felt comfortable in a room. And to make sure that my preparation was really strong so that I knew nobody would ever question why I was there. And that became the way that I've always approached everything. I was always scared in the beginning to go back in there because I had no concept of what he would say or where this could go. After the first meeting, he never tried that again with me. And it was awesome. So I have seen this as something that has changed the way I approach problems, challenges, jobs, projects, in both my personal and my professional life. My name is Pam Sullivan, and I'm the Managing Director of Maxis Los Angeles. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's Editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. When are you at your very best, and why is that? I am at my best when I'm surrounded by what I'll call productive chaos. <laughs> okay, I, I get where you're going with this one. It yeah. works well. I am so energized by a lot of activity, moving forward, smart people, getting stuff done, discovering new things. When it's slow, I start to feel a little slow, and I'm constantly then looking for something more. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when I'm it's not firing in all cylinders when it is rapid firing in all cylinders. And everyone around me who's really smart is too. 
I'm walking about three feet above the ground. Is it kind of like the work version of West Wing Dialogue? <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> and I love that show. I love it. Is Aaron Sorkin working here? Oh, I wish he was. <laughs> but that's good, though, because it's it, because you set the tone, you set the pace. But what do you do, and especially the office, because you can't keep that up all the time. How do you, how do you dial it down? You can't, but you have to know that it's always there. I mean, part of it is okay. a lot of what we work on here is entertainment, and mm-hmm. that is 365 days a year. Right. But the other part of it is I like to work with people who are that way as well. Mm-hmm. So we're always kind of, to your point about West Wing, it's actually a really good one. The sort of hallway meetings happen often um, in the walk and talks, but, but I think you don't always have to be going because you're right, you can't sustain that speed. Right. But knowing what you're working toward is what keeps you going. You're getting to that every time. Why do we hold ourselves back? I think we hold ourselves back out of fear. I think we're afraid we can't handle something. I think we're afraid sometimes if it's a new job, we're afraid it won't fit within our lifestyle Mm. without stepping back and saying, I actually have the power to figure out if it does or it doesn't because it doesn't, everything isn't always as it appears. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we accept things on face value and you can tailor things. You can talk to someone and, and figure out what something can look like that can work for you. I think it's most of the time when we're most challenged, we want to back away. And yeah, yeah. the the times when we grow the most is when we don't. It's interesting because you talk about fear and there's all this conversation around, you know, fearlessness and bravery and things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that just by natural, just by human nature that we always have that just little bit of fear? I don't know anyone who's fearless. And that's then I guess my point is, yeah. is that we talk about it too much. And I, yeah. Not too much, but we talk about it. And are we saying the right things? I think people have learned how to manage their fear better. I think they're less paralyzed okay. by their fear. Got it. But I don't know that anyone is, is fearless. If what your thing is, is talking in front of others, making sure that you're prepared to right, that earlier right. point can help you get through it and feel confident. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to be a little bit nervous. What's the greatest gift that you will get in the future? And why is that? So for me, hearing from anyone that something I've said or done has affected or influenced them in any way would be something that could, would mean the world to me. Whether that's by my, as an example from my actions, something I've done to help them feel free, mm-hmm. something I've done to help them change their lives, or even examples of my own life, that would, that would mean the world. You're, you get those now. You get people giving you good feedback like that, right? I get good. I do get good feedback, but I, I think you're, so, you're talking about it to the nth degree. Yeah. It's, there's like a, there's a, there's a subtle nuance to getting, Hey, thanks for that. That was great. Right. And Hey, can we sit down and talk about this? Because it meant a lot to me. It meant is a lot to me. Is, I was so going down of, this path yeah. and I went here or I didn't Got think it. I could. And you showed me I could. I, those kinds of things, we can open doors for people physically and right. sometimes mentally or emotionally by our own actions, we can help them open their own. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I think is really valuable. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? I think we must, and this goes back to an answer earlier. I think you have to, at certain points in your life, say yes to something that scares you or that you think you can't do. Because out of this often comes the most change to you. And I think you you find confidence through that. What was one thing? Well, I mean, you started Maxis 11 years ago? 
No, I started Max's four 2011, years ago. 2011, 2011, 2011. Um, okay. Math, clearly not my strong suit. I got the 11 part right. I got the 11 in there somewhere. It's really a date thing. It was, good. It was you started it, you know, 35 <laughs> years ago. But that must have been like the cliff. There it is. Yeah. We're going for it. When the, a, a client moved over to Group M and I moved with them, I didn't realize they didn't have an LA office, to be honest. <laughs> and when I got set up with a realtor, that's when I realized. So... I think that's that's that. You don't know what you can do until you do it. And I think if I would have known that finding real estate and setting up trash service, by the way, <laughs> is something I was going to end up learning, I probably right. would have said no. And yet it was incredibly valuable. And you do gain a sense of there's kind of nothing you can't do after that. That's a very valid point. What's a must experience? Exhilaration. You have to at some point every period of time, whatever that is for you, experience exhilaration in your job or at what you're doing, Mm -hmm. or you're not in the right, you're a a clock puncher. If you're not feeling that adrenaline, whether it's because you've had a great presentation, whether it's because you've discovered something amazing, whether because you've solved a crazy problem, whether it's just the teamwork you're experiencing as you guys do things, to me, if you don't experience that, then you're in the wrong business. When did you experience that first in your career? Because you've had a few stops along the way. I have. I I try to experience it as consistently as possible. And Mm -hmm. I think that's when I try to evaluate what's going on. And when I get into those valleys where I'm not feeling it as much, Mm -hmm. that's when I know I need to make a change. And it's really easy not to. Sometimes family grows and you get comfortable where you are because there's a lot that's what you're facing that's your exhilaration and that's okay right because i think that's what you do you kind of sometimes things have to take a back seat i personally have a huge problem with the word balance when talking about life yes it sets up i know right it it sets up a um a delivery of making sure something gets to level set and that that isn't the real world integration is a word that people have been saying I like integration. I, was, I don't think that's, but even then, it's still like there's no perfect word for it, is there? I heard, it's funny, just a few weeks ago, Lisa Sugar, who started uh, Pop Sugar, used a word I loved called blend. And I think that's okay, a great yeah, because I think sense. if you think of something swirling a little bit as you're blending it, yeah. sometimes it's a little more chocolate, sometimes it's a little more vanilla. And I think it best describes for me how life works because sometimes I need to be a little more work and sometimes I'm able to be a little more personal. So it's figuring out how to be where you need to be at the times that you need to and always being present. That's a huge issue. Bonus points for not using kale in that blending analogy (laughs) or chia seeds. That's my whole life. My wife. Here, it's, it's, a, it's a smoothie. It's got chia seeds in it. I went milkshake, so there wouldn't have been a room for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think that's good because I always associate chia seed with chia pet. So, right. yeah, not a good analogy. What is a must read? So I have two must reads. Both are serious. One seems funny. The first one is The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. An oldie um, but goodie. It is. And why I like it is very much along the lines of what we've been talking about, the impact of one moment, one element, one thing can can drift out to so many. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mm-hmm. love the concept of that. Um, I think it still philosophically holds true today. And I love Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. How great is that book? Phenomenal. That's one of our daughter's nicknames. Bossy Pants. Yeah. I've been called Bossy. but Oh my God, what a great book. She has a way of really nailing a situation with humor, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's the best advice you can give. 
mm-hmm. or get. And I, I love it. Think about, I was talking to somebody about 30 Rock recently, and we said, we got into this really deep discussion. So first of all, it's that density of that humor. But it wasn't necessarily a comedy. It was social commentary. It was absolutely. And everybody is like, oh, it's the greatest comedy. I'm like, it's hilariously funny. But it was framed. But, but man, right. Tina Fey is a genius telling us this, 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 and this. Yeah, no, it was great. No, it's, no, people, it's a great book. People still say Cable Town today. <laughs> is she going to write another book? She better. I hope so. Let's chip in. She can in. just keep doing Amex commercials. Those are funny for I th- me. Yeah, I think those are good. Yeah. I, I think we should just start a fund. Maybe cry, like <laughs> Kickstarter money book. money by now, yeah. I think she's okay. So I mean, uh, my family's from Philly, so I, you know, it's like this sort of a natural thing. We just <laughs> want to help out. Just take five bucks. Write your book. What is a must learn? Empathy. We have to learn empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a little bit about this earlier. But right, right. I think the greatest, one of the greatest leadership skills, not the greatest, one of the greatest leadership skills is empathy. Because in order to come to a good resolution, it has to be oftentimes mutual. Mm-hmm. And to be able to walk in someone else's shoes helps you understand how to, whether it's crafting something or handling a problem whether it's admitting a mistake, leading a team through something, you have to understand where both your teammates are as well as the clients you're preparing this for are Mm -hmm. so that you can know where you need to be. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you? What would the answer be? I'm a pretty open book, and I think people feel comfortable asking me pretty much anything, sometimes not to my favorite moments. But I would say, and I struggle with this a little bit, I would say that we have two sons who are adopted, and it's been the most amazing journey for us and the best gifts ever. And I wish that people would feel comfortable to ask me about it, because I think that Mm -hmm. both our experience and our take on that process would help people understand just how different adoption is today than, than some of the scary stories they've heard in the past. Right. What's, what are the main differences? I think that it's much more openly accepted. Our children, sure. both my sons have adopted kids in their classes today. And it's not like you walk around with a sign over your head. Sure, no, absolutely. And, and certainly that's why I struggle sometimes talking about it more broadly because at some point as they get older, it becomes less our story and more their story and it's right, up to right. them to discuss it. But I think it's much more open and accepted. Mm-hmm. I think that people, everybody knows somebody who yeah, was yeah. adopted now. Yep. Um, there are, you have ways you can now adopt based on your own preferences. It can be open, semi-open. It can be closed. You can foster to adopt. These are all things. There are tax rebates for people who adopt to help people who can't afford that or fear they can't afford it. Right. Or frankly, have just been financially broken by the, the fertility process that got them there. Oh, right. Those yeah. things can be yeah. really difficult. And yeah. I think understanding that someone's been through this, we had great resources. And I, I think for us, just we tackle so many big projects as a matter of our jobs every day, right. that this just became something we could get through easily. Emotionally, totally different story. Oh, totally. Yeah. But you have to be able to get yourself to the right place and talk to people who can help you understand that. Yeah. And I'd love to help more people that way. Here's where I compliment you. Much like my life, this this will be a bit of a mullet. Some business up front, little party in the back. <laughs> Business. So according to my math, you started Maxis in Los Angeles 7,000 years ago, right. as we alluded to earlier. Two. My good math, my really good math skills. No, but uh, in 2011. I've 
watched the numbers, and numbers are one indicator. It's unbelievable what you've achieved in that short of a time in a market. And, and I'll say this. I'll say this publicly. I think Los Angeles is the most important market in the world right now. I mean, I second that. I, so I will say I will say it publicly. I firmly believe that L.A. is the most. And listen, New York, you want to come at it? Fine. <laughs> but I believe L.A. is the most important market in the world. That's not to diminish any other market. I just think pound for pound, there are several things happening in Los Angeles that make it the most important market in the world. But it's a difficult market. It's a challenging it's market, especially in entertainment. You've managed to just go over these hurdles and hurdles. And what the feedback that I get from people is, is you know, Pam gets at it, but it feels effortless. Mm. It's, it like appears effortless. But that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, even though it looks effortless. I mean, you put, clearly put the work in, clearly put the work in. And the other thing they said is she makes it look effortless, but she never takes it for granted. Mm. And that was another thing is, is that she, she knows that in this world where things are so disposable in terms of relationships, mm. she knows she values these relationships deeply and being able because you've had NBC Universal for how many years? I've worked at Universal Pictures for 16 plus years. Okay. Yeah. See? That doesn't happen nowadays. Right. No, and and speaking of values, I think being grateful is a is a huge value for mm-hmm. me. I think it helps everyone keep everything in perspective. Yes. Um, so that's that's great to hear. Now the back of the mullet, the party, <laughs> is literally. I've I've talked to like ten people, and across the board. Oh my god, you guys are going to get along so well. Oh my god, you guys are going to get along so well. Oh my god, you guys are going to get along so well. So. Yeah, I, came, I came into, you know, I have to be professional myself, but I was like, oh my God, yes, we are going to get along we're so well. So yeah, well, you're besties, I guess. I guess we are. <laughs> you're my LA bestie now. But that's where I compliment you. And it's, and it's nice because, you know, again, you're at this really high level in a company that is doing amazing things. And it just, you're able to really, let's blend it. We're not going to, we're yeah. not going to balance it. Right. Um, but you're able to blend that all together in a way that makes people feel real good. So that's oh, where that's I compliment you. It, so feel like the, it was, I'll d- take d- those compliments. Okay, well, it's all fine. Day. But yeah. am I am I accurate? Am I full it of feels shit? Good. I love it. <laughs> it's funny because I think starting Maxis again. We talked about that being as a you know scary challenge. Yeah. And in 2011, quite literally, we had four people. Oh my! As God. we transitioned to the business, right? We then went to about 20. Uh, probably a year later, we were about 38 as we added the TV networks businesses into Los Angeles, and I sort of began to oversee those. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, some the 30 Rock networks in New York, right, 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 um, and then winning more business. And as we grew, we're now 127 people here in Maxis with about 75 in New York. So it's a, a large team. And what I'm always keeping in perspective and most am most grateful about is I get to be the face of this today, but it's not me. It's all of us. It's smart people. It's amazing yeah. clients. Coming to Group M and Maxis was the best thing I did, not because anywhere else I've worked hasn't been awesome, but because the way that we've connected on this piece of business with my bosses, Steve Williams and Lindsay Pattison and Kelly Clark, mm-hmm. Erwin Gottlieb, these people are all very involved in what we do every day. That helps us move roadblocks more than anything I've ever seen. So we truly get opened up to do the kinds of work we want to do here, which is 
and I've, I've said this before in other places, but it drives me crazy that media agencies have become these media waiters and waitresses where we You're not just order take, take orders. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. and for a while, I think everybody sort of got stuck there. Sure. And what we work very hard to create with our clients is more of a consultative partnership mm-hmm. on a marketing perspective. We don't want to help you understand how to find this drifting audience we want to understand your actual business challenge and affect those outcomes because that's a symptom. Yep. So, oh, getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. again, if I yep. guess it's all about seats at the table, but getting a seat at that table makes you far more a partners or partnership status than what, what I think people used to be. And we're being allowed into those rooms and that's really exciting. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. Without further ado, the floor is yours. In the beginning of of our conversation, I talked about a situation that was painful and embarrassing and sort of diminishing for me, and it involved um, a form of sexual harassment, but it was really more a form of somebody putting down a woman in a room where he never would have been able to do that to to a man. And I've been fortunate in my career that I haven't hit those glass ceilings that so many women before me had to help shatter. But there is still today an ever-present barrier for women, whether it's from a salary perspective, whether it's a bias about having children, whether it's an emotional bias Mm -hmm. about how women choose to express themselves versus how men express themselves and, and how that, what's acceptable. What I have found so empowering here as a female leader of an office uh, at a company, Maxis, which has a female global CEO, has been wonderful. Um, our our CEO, Lindsay Patterson, who I know you know yep. well, um, she has made this her one of her platforms is female leadership and empowerment. Part of that is wage gaps. She's done really deep evaluations on within Maxis how, how women are paid versus men. I'm happy to tell you that at least in North America, things are pretty good. But she's also gone a very, very long way to helping us understand the kinds of things that we as women are often trained to behave, ways we're trained to behave that we shouldn't be and what's influencing that. So she created something called Walk the Talk, which mm-hmm. was a promise she made on um, well, she accepted an award as a female leader and was like, well, I've got to really put my money where my mouth is. And this was something that she'd been noodling around. And when she committed to it, she knew she was going to be able to do it. And she did. And it started in three regions. So there was like the Americas, EMEA, and, you know, Asia and Australia. And then since she's been rolling this out mm-hmm. to each individual market or region. And it's been the most powerful and empowering session training that we've had. And women have been able to share stories with each other freely and safely, but also more importantly, because it's not a huge, there's nothing that's happened that's been huge and breakthrough from today. What's been helpful is the empowering tools that they give all of us to understand, again, why we sometimes do the things we do. The kinds of things that make us feel uncomfortable or awkward that live inside our own heads, the way we react to things. That's a lot for for not just for grown-ups, but for the kids who are just starting. It's really been empowering, and I, I love that. I encourage every company to get a, a version of this going because the, the feedback, the goodwill, the, the sort of the way people are more energized and recharged, women and, frankly, men as well, yeah. has been exponential.
like the must list, we like to wrap up with one more piece of advice or mm. wisdom. Mm. What is your last word? So this is interesting because it sort of sits in the middle. It's for both managers and people who are just starting out. And it'll be a quote from my other favorite book, Bossy Pants. <laughs> When Tina Fey says, in most cases, being a good boss means hiring people and then getting out of their way. And my best bosses have done that and let me do my thing, but helped put some guidelines when I'm getting a little out of control. I try to do that very, I work on that all the time. Um, it's something I like to do. I hire, I like to hire really smart people and let them do what I hired them to do. Sometimes that's hard because I can, I want to be in it. I want to get into what they're doing, but that's what they do. And that's what makes them good and lets me do what I do. And I think you should always you should always strive to work at a place where that's what your boss wants you to do. Pam, thank you so much for having us it's here in Los great. Angeles. This has and been so fun. You, you started the company 12,000 years ago. Very, <laughs> very exciting progress that you've made. But no, in all seriousness, thank you very much. And I absolutely love your perspective. Thank you. 